name. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, CCF, I want to quote a song by commission. Millions didn't make it, but we were the ones who did. Amen. Amen. We made it to the end of the year, the last Sunday of the year. And God has put me on assignment tonight. I'm going to just tell y'all what he told me. Amen. And we're going to see what God has to say. Amen. So turn with me to Genesis 19. Genesis 19. Hallelujah. And the Bible declares, Genesis 19, verse 12, verse 12. Then the angels said to Lot, do you have anyone else here, a son-in-law, your sons and daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of this place, for we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against this people is so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were going to marry his daughters. Get up, he said, get out of this place for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. At daybreak, the angels urged Lot on, get up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated. Because of the Lord's compassion for him, the men grabbed his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. They brought him out and left him outside the city. As soon as the angels got them outside, one of them said, run for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere on the plain. Run to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has indeed found favor with you and you have shown me great kindness by saving my life. But I can't run to the mountains. The disaster will overtake me and I will die. Verse 20, look, this town is close enough for me to flee to. It is a small place. Please let me run to it. It's only a small place, isn't it? So that I can survive. And the angel said to him, all right, I'll grant you a request about this matter too. And will not demolish the town you mentioned. 22, hurry up, run to it. For I cannot do anything until you get there. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. I want to preach tonight from the subject of don't hesitate, celebrate. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, don't hesitate, celebrate. Amen, amen. Wow, so we've been in a message series these past couple Sundays um, all about transition. This is one of my favorite subjects. This is a huge part of my testimony. It's the reason why I'm here today, amen, because God ignited a transition in my life, amen. And transition, there comes a point of transition where we receive the word from the Lord. We know transition is in, imminent. And then we get to, I want to say, a crossroads, a middle point of transition. When we get there, we're in the middle point. We're about to cross over, and all our fear, all our doubts start to resurface. And in the moment, we you know what we do? We get all fearful, we get anxious, and then we hesitate. Yeah. We about to cross over, we about to make the full transition, but there's something in us that's just like, mm, mm. I, I want to go, but there's something that's holding me back. Danny, show them the, uh, the definitions of hesitate and linger. Hesitate says to be reluctant or wait to act because of fear, indecision, or disinclination, 
or to pause. And then linger. Linger means to remain or stay on in a place longer than is usual or expected, as if from reluctance to leave, to dwell in contemplation or thought. The two words that appear in both these definitions are reluctance. A lot of you are in a season right now where God is shifting you. You're about to transition, but you're reluctant to leave. And so what you do is, Pastor Brandon talked about romanticizing the past. You're actually romanticizing your present. You make your present seem better than it actually is when you know that the environment that you're in no longer suits you. You know that the environment that you're in is no longer conducive for your spiritual growth. So you walk around with a smile saying, oh, I'm good and I'm peachy and all of that. But on the inside, you are moaning and groaning because you got claustrophobia. You got spiritual claustrophobia. Come on, Holy Spirit. You in a place. You so stuck. You can't even breathe. You suffocating because the place that you're in is no longer conducive for you. But you are so fearful. You caught up in nostalgia. What you know, what you used to, you don't want to give it up because it's comfortable. You don't want to leave because it suits you. You don't want to leave because everybody knows me here. Everybody knows my name. I got influence. I got money here. But God is saying, leave all of it behind. I got a new place for you to go. And a lot of you are, a lot of you are discouraged because you're leaving wealth, riches, influence, establishment, to start from the rock bottom. You're leaving someplace that's established to go to a place where you have to start from the ground up, where you got to toil and when you got to work. And so out of that fear, what do you do? You hesitate and you linger. You stay in a place longer than you know you should be. See, when we look at this account, a lot of people want to always get on Lot's wife. She looked back. She turned into a pillar of salt. But see, with Lot's wife, you don't have to look back to stunt your progress. You don't have to look back in order to stunt you from where you're supposed to go. You want to stay stagnant? Don't move. <laughs> don't move from where God is telling you, and you'll end up like a pillar of salt, immovable, stagnant. God is speaking to all of you and all of y'all on camera. Some of y'all were supposed to make transitions months ago, two years ago, five years ago, and you are lingering. And you wonder why you're so depressed. You wonder why, why nothing's working out because you're living in disobedience. You think God, God is going to bless your disobedience. I'm here to tell you he's not going to do that. As long as you continue to linger and hesitate, you're going to stay in that same place for a long time. And let me tell you, when it comes to transition, divine transition, there is a window of opportunity. And a lot of you are flirting. You're flirting with your window of opportunity because you think, oh, God's going to keep it open. Let me give you some other advice. Your window of opportunity is like an elevator. It's going to close. And when it closes, my friend, I can't guarantee you that you're going to see it again. I can't guarantee you that you're going to see that same window again the same way. I can't guarantee you that you're going to see it next year. You may not see it for another 15 years. So I advise you to obey now. Move now. Transition now. But I want to challenge your perspective. See, when we think about transition, we always pessimistic. God, you, you're calling me out of my comfort zone. I got to leave this and that. I want to challenge you to think of transition from a perspective of celebration. 
BC, because in transition, God is about to shift me. He's about to move me into a new place. So even if I got to leave some things, what he's about to do in this new season is going to be bigger and better than I've ever seen before. So that's a cause to celebrate. And when I celebrate, I don't know about you, but I start dancing. I, I get a little jiggy on the dance floor. And so while I'm celebrating, even though the transition is not complete, while I'm celebrating, I'm already in motion. So when God says it's time to go, I can just ooh, hop on over. I can go ahead and cross over because I'm already in motion. I'm already in motion. Come to me to Genesis 19. Here in the beginning, I'm 19. I don't have time to go into depth, but here we have in 19, two angels appear to Lot. This is Abraham's nephew. They appear to Lot in Sodom. And they say, and Lot gets to Lot. He sits out the city gate. He says, my lords, welcome. Please stay with me. And the angel said, no, 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 we're going to stay in the city. Lot's like, no, no, you need to stay with me tonight. <laughs> you need to stay in my house. Because in verse 4, we find that not even before evening ends, all of the men of Sodom surround Lot's house. They tell Lot, them two men you have in your house, send them outside. We want to have our way with them. This no in the Bible, in this context, we're talking about intimately. These men wanted to rape the two angels. And see, when we talk about Sodom and Gomorrah, the number one sin that we always, always associate with is homosexuality. But Danny, show him Ezekiel chapter 16, 49 through 50. While this sin was grave and depraved in Sodom and Gomorrah, Ezekiel 16, 49 shows us, he's speaking to the prophet Ezekiel, he's speaking to Israel, he says, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had arrogance, abundant food, careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. Thus they were haughty, which means prideful, and they committed abominations before me. Therefore, I removed them when I saw it. See, God is not just concerned about one sin. He's concerned about all the sins because all sin grieves his heart. So I may not be sleeping around like you are, but if I'm envious of my neighbor, I'm guilty too. If I got wealth and I'm not giving it to the ones who need it, I'm guilty too. See, in God's eyes, sin is on an even playing field. So all of this sin collectively is what rose up to the Lord and grieved his heart. And that's why he decided, I got to carry out divine judgment. So Lot, he comes outside his house. He says, no, y'all not, no, -uh, I'm protecting them. You're not going to take them. In great courage, he defends the angels. But in great cowardice, he offers his own virgin daughters to these men outside. See, Lot chose to live in Sodom. When they were in Canaan, they just came back from Egypt. They had so much wealth, but there wasn't enough space for Abraham and Lot to be both successful in the same, sp same space. So Abraham said, Lot, choose your land. He chose the Jor Jordan Valley, which was so fertile. The Bible says he went and pitched his tent facing Sodom. And then eventually he moved inside of Sodom. A lot of y'all need to evaluate your priorities. You're looking at the fertility and the wealth of an environment, not giving any consideration to how corrupt it is. And you know some of y'all are babes in Christ. And so you're hanging around corrupt environments thinking that you've got all the strength to resist temptation. What you need to do is flee, is run. It's to stay away from environments you know that are going to corrupt you. Because 1 Corinthians says that bad company corrupts good morals, good behavior. So he offers up to his daughters, but they say, no, 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 no. How dare you 
act as a judge for us. We're going we gonna to attack you. So what they do, they press up against Lot. But I love what God does. Just when you need him, he comes to the rescue. The angels opened up the door. They grabbed Lot by his shirt and pulled him in, closed the door, and struck these men with blindness. Isaiah says that the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. I don't know about you, but I've been in some places where I shouldn't have been, with people I shouldn't have done it with, yeah, with people I shouldn't have done it with, but God in his mercy, in his compassion, he brought me out. <laughs> some of y'all, y'all was headed to jail. You was about to get kicked out the house. You was about to get spanked. I don't know what your punishment was, but God in his mercy and his compassion, he snatched you and brought you back. And it's at this point, Lot realizes that, oh, y'all, y'all not no regular man. Y'all are divine, divine. And so this is how we get to verse 12. The angels say, Lot, get out of here. Take your wife, your daughters, tell your sons-in-law, tell them to get out. The Lord is about to destroy this place. So Lot, <clears throat> excuse me, go to verse 14. Should be the first slide. Lot told his sons-in-law, he said, y'all, get off this place. The Lord is about to destroy this place. But to his sons-in-law, they thought he was joking. We don't know much about Lot. We know that he's traveled a lot with Abraham. But if his sons-in-law thought he was joking, something about Lot's character in Sodom didn't stand out enough for them to believe that he was serious. There was something about how Lot carried himself. Maybe he was caught up in the wealth and the popularity of Sodom that he didn't take a strong enough, bold enough stand for the Lord. So when he's telling his sons-in-law that the son is, that God is coming to destroy the city, they thought he was joking. Your character don't have to be perfect. It needs to be consistent. It don't have to be free from flaws. See, if I'm out here and I'm preaching the gospel here right now, but they see me out there cussing like a sailor, how are they going to know that Christ dwells within me? See, I can be transparent, but the Bible says one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So I have the ability to the Holy Spirit to control my mouth, even though I feel like saying some stuff, because the reality is, is that I have a reputation. Not of myself, but because I represent him. And I will not be a living, walking, talking contradiction. And so, go to, the, um, go to verse um, 15. So at daybreak, the angel said to Lot, get up. Tell your neighbor, get up. get up. They said, take your wife and your two daughters who are here and get out or else you'll be swept away. But here's the verse that God really illuminated for me. But he hesitated. Why would Lot hesitate when a city is about to go up in flames? See, Lot grew up and moved with Abraham all his life. He went from Mesopotamia to Haran, to Canaan, to Egypt, back to the hill country of Bethel and Ai, and now he's on his own in Sodom. Don't you see? Sodom represented stability. Sodom was his independence. He was no longer under his uncle. He had his own money, his own wife, his own kids. He had his own influence in Sodom. He had his own grazing land for his field. To destroy Sodom meant for Lot, you're destroying everything that I worked hard for. All the influence that I built and acquired in this space, you're telling me that it's about to be gone? Wouldn't you hesitate just a little bit too? If all that you worked for and all that you acquired and all that you had in this one space is about to be over and you have to start from the bottom? He, that's why he lingered because in his mind, he's like, man, 
I know it's about to go, but God, don't you see what I'm leaving behind? Don't you see all the friends and family that I'm leaving? Don't you see all the positions and the things that I'm leaving? Don't you see what I'm leaving behind? It's about to go up in flames. But see, the problem is, is that when it comes to transition, we look too much to our environment to be our provision. We look too much to the resources that are there to sustain us, to keep us. You cannot look to an environment in a dying world to sustain you. Come on, recession. Before the recession, me and my family was taking vacations year-round, sometimes two times a year. And that recession hit. Money dried up. We had to postpone vacation for like two or three years. Why are we looking to a government to be our sustainer? But see, in this environment that your God is trying to pull you out of, you got stability. You got security. You got everything that you need, but that's because you're looking to what you can touch to sustain you. But you'll realize soon that if you depend upon what your environment can provide, you won't fail. You're going to be broker than broke. You're going to be looking to things that are dying, looking to resources that cannot sustain you. But if you look to the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, if you look to the one who said, I shall supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. If you, if you look to the one who said that the earth is mine in the fullness thereof, then it don't matter where I am. I could be in a season of wilderness. I can be in a season. I could be in a desert when I don't see no productivity. But because he don't live and is not limited to a dimension that is dependent upon resources, because he lives outside of this dimension, he can bless me with something that is out of this world. He can bless me with things that I've never seen before. See, some of y'all, y'all got to be willing to leave what you know to experience what you've never seen before, what you've never had before, what you've never experienced before. You got to be willing to leave to see what you ain't never tasted before. You got to be willing to leave it all behind to see something you ain't never seen, touched. You got to be willing to leave it all behind. A lot of you don't want to leave it behind because in your view, what you see is not much. But the Bible says one plants another waters but he gives increase so you're looking at where you're going it don't look like much that's why you need to stop talking and start planting stop talking and start watering stop talking and get to work and then when you work in that space that don't seem like nothing you give it the attention that it needs in just a short time it will blossom like a beautiful garden it will blossom and then you got something to show not to brag but to show that he gave the increase, but I had to do the work. I had to do it. So a lot hesitating. He lingered like, God, I don't know what to do. Show him 16. Because of the Lord's compassion for him, the man, once again, Lot getting rescued again. The man grabbed his hand and his family hand snatched him outside of the city, outside of the destruction. Because of the Lord's compassion. The Bible says in Lamentations that his compassions never fail. I love it because even when you place yourself in situations that you got yourself in, his compassion does not fail. His compassion is not predicted, uh, predicated upon how well you act, how well you obey every command. His compassion fails not and is not conditioned upon me trying to be something that I'm not. 
me trying to uh, rise up to a standard that I know I can't meet. He rescued Lot because he had compassion for him. Aren't you glad that even when you're acting stupid, even when you should be leaving a place that God told you to leave, he still has compassion? Because he's abounding in love. Slow. Ooh, slow to anger. Anybody grateful that he's slow to anger? Some of y'all really know how to tick him off. Some of y'all really, y'all grieve his heart, but because he's slow to anger, woo, he'll give you space, but it won't last long. <laughs> so you better move. <laughs> don't, it, don't take advantage of it. Romans 6 says, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? No. How can we who are dead to sin live there in it if we have truly died to sin? So he come, he come uh, show him 18, I think it's up there. No, 17. As soon as the angels got them outside, one of them said, run for your lives. See, the angels had such urgency. And in transition, we don't have enough urgency because we are so focused on me. Me, me, me. I, I, I. God, I got to leave this behind. I got to leave this behind. And God's like, I'm sorry, weren't you the one who asked, weren't you the one who asked me to elevate you? Weren't you the one who asked me to promote you? Weren't you the one who said that you wanted to be elevated to new heights? And now when he's asking you to do what's required in order to reach that level, you don't want to do it. See, I'm convinced a lot of you need to stop asking God for things that you're not ready for. If you are not ready to be elevated, if you're not ready to experience the suffering... Christ said that in order to share in my glory, you got to suffer along with me. Even Christ, to be seated at the right hand of the Father, did not escape suffering. He was on that cross hour after hour, tortured, tortured for nights, blood and water rushing out of his body, skin tearing off his bones. Even the Son of Man did not escape suffering. But because he endured, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father and has a name that is exalted above every other name. You cannot forsake suffering in trial to be promoted. God saying, weren't you singing in worship for your glory? I will do anything. Y'all don't know what y'all singing. See, after a while, I stopped singing that song because I was like, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to do anything yet, so I'll just sing How Great Is Our God or something like that. I stopped singing that song because when you tell him you'll do anything, he'll hold you accountable to it. So if you tell him that, you better be ready. You better be ready to go when he says go, because he's like, oh, you said you would do anything? All right, move over here. You said you would do anything? Okay, drop that relationship. You said you would do anything? Quit that job. You said you would do anything? Leave it all behind to come after me. Christianity can be summed up in this. If you want to follow me, got to pick up your cross and deny yourself. Your selfish desires, your selfish ones, you got to be willing to deny all of that. The angel said, he said, run for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere on the plane. Run to the mountains or you will be swept away. Here we go, lot again. I don't know about y'all, but if an angel told me that my hometown was about to be destroyed, I'm not doing a lot of talking. I'm like, all right, peace. <laughs> I'm running out of there, okay? But lot is doing a whole lot of talking. Stalling. He said to the angel, he said, 
No, my lords, please. Your servant has indeed found favor with you, but I can't run to the mountains. The disaster will overtake me. Verse 20, it says, look, this town is close enough for me to flee to. It's a small place. Please let me run to it. Here's what I didn't understand. My hometown and all the cities in the valley are about to be destroyed. And you want to go to a city that's near the destruction. Why would you want to stay close to a place that's about to be burnt up in fire and brimstone? <laughs> he said, escape to the mountains. But Lot's like, no, I want to stay. Send me over here. It's, it's close enough. What does that represent? In a season of transition, God is sometimes trying to deliver you from certain environments. But because your flesh was so attached, you still, you like, ooh, I don't want to leave. So you start bargaining with God. God, don't send me all the way over there. Just send me somewhere close by because it's convenient. The mountains are not convenient. Living in the mountains is not convenient. Going the distance to the mountains is not convenient. Choosing a place that resembles the place that you're being delivered from is convenient. But you holding on with all of your might, please, please, just let me stay close by. Just let me stay close by. The mountains, see the mountains represent hardship, struggle, and what I love, God showed me the mountains represent isolation. A lot of you are nervous about your transition because you're thinking about everybody you got to leave and depart from and you know that God is calling you to a season where it's just you and him. And because you've never taken the initiative to do that before, the thought of you and God scares you. You think that he's just going to spend all his time condemning you. How could you do this? How could you do that? A season of isolation is necessary because like Lot, you were in a corrupt environment. So in isolation, he began to purify you. He began to shape you and mold you and reshape you into the vessel that he needs for the assignment that he's called you to do. But if you're not willing to be delivered, if you're not willing to make the distance and fully go through transition... He can't use, can't use, can't use. Not saying he can't use, but in order for the assignment that he has, you got to go through some changes, some purification. In order to do that, you got to be willing to go the distance. Tell your neighbor, you got to be willing to go the distance, the distance. So here's, here's the funny part about it. God, tell, the angel tells Lot, okay, you can go. He said, I'll grant your request about this too, and I will de not, not demolish the town you mentioned. Show them the scripture verse, Genesis 1930, Danny. It says, after Lot went to Zoar, this was the nearby city, after Sodom and Gomorrah and all the cities of the valley are destroyed, he gets to Zoar, the place that he asked to go. And then verse 30 says, now Lot went up from Zoar and stayed in the mountains, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. Why is this so significant? He asked the angel to send him to a place nearby so he could be safe. He ends up leaving the place that he asked to go just to head back to the place the angel originally told him to go. A lot of you bargaining with God, he's telling you to go to the mountains. God, and you're like, God, God I don't want to go that far. Let me go someplace close by. So in his divine permission, he lets you act in rebellion you get in rebellion, and you realize this wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. 
This wasn't all that I thought it would be. See, in transition, there's an uncomfortableness that you feel when you're not where you're supposed to be, and there's an uncomfortableness that you feel when you are where you're supposed to be. The uncomfortable feeling that you're feeling, being in that place that you know God is calling you out of is conviction. You know you're not supposed to be there anymore. You know that he's trying to deliver you from there, but watch it. When you step into a place where God has for you, that uncomfortableness you're feeling is an indication that he's working, that he's molding, that he's shaping, that he's making you into the vessel that he wants you to be. God has to go against the grain of your natural will. That's why I don't feel good. I'm here to tell you, it ain't going to feel good. You're going to cry. You have to leave some friends because he's working against your flesh to shape and mold a vessel that is fit for use. But if you continue to resist, you will never see. You will continue to delay what he's promised you. But in, in, in repentance, he, he goes back to the place the angel told him to, and he stays in a cave. That don't mean much to you, but when you look through the Bible, the cave represents safety. The cave represents covering. The cave represents protection. How do I know this? When Jezebel was after them prophets, Obadiah hit them in a cave. The cave symbolizes a protection, a covering. So even if I'm in isolation, Psalm 91 says, He that dwelleth in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shelter of the Almighty. I don't care if I got to be alone. As long as I'm in his presence, he got me covered. Oh, front, back, he got me covered. And I'm safe. And I'm safe in his presence, in, in the covering. He told Moses, I'll hide you under the cleft of the rock. He said, in the secret place, you shall hide me. He shall hide me. See, this is why you don't need to hesitate. You ain't got to worry about nothing because he said, I'll provide for you. He told Elijah in the desert, go to the brook. I'll feed you. I'll, I'll give you drink from the brook, but I've commanded the ravens to give you meat and bread. Don't you know he has rain over the natural and the supernatural so you can feed, you can take water from the brook, but he'll command ravens. He'll command people. He'll command connections to come bring whatever you need. In my transition, I ain't had no car. God said, it's time to go. And I was like, what am I drive with, son? What am I drive with, God? Where that? Where that? I was driving my dad's car, but my dad was like, mm, you need to get your own car. So you know what? I stacked up my bread, but you know what? I didn't spend time worrying how God was going to provide. I was convinced that he was going to do it because I said, God, if you're going to take me this, you know what I need in order to do your work, and I trust you. And I demonstrated my trust by my works. And I got a beautiful Ford Focus out there, out there, and she takes me wherever I need to go. Some of y'all need to stop worrying about what you don't have. Know that he's going to provide it when you make the move. Make the move. You're lingering. Hesitate. God, I'm going to leave all my friends behind. Don't you know he'll surround you with people that you need? See, some of the friends y'all acquired in high school, you were friends by association. But when God does a new thing, he gives you friends with purpose, friends with shared values, friends who are taking over the kingdom with you. And I, let me tell you something. I got a squad, y'all. We lit. We taking over the kingdom of God. We taking over. I had to leave some folk behind. I had to leave them over there. Had to leave y'all to the side.
I was in isolation. I was like, God, I ain't going to make no friends. But then when I stepped out, he brought me a squad. He brought me a squad that was serious about the work of the Lord. We got a squad, and we about to take over. We about to conquer, because it's in our DNA. How do I know that Romans said we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. That is in us, conquerors. Conquerors. God, 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 I'm, I'm scared, God. God, what if they make fun of me? Jesus said, if they hate you, they hated me first. Jesus said, I've come to set against, I've come to say father against son. Mother against daughter, mother against son-in-law, father against daughter-in-law. Your family don't have to understand. They don't even got to respect it. As long as you do it, he'll bless it. As long as you do it, he'll anoint it. As long as you do it, there's blessing in obedience. Everybody ain't got to understand. You trying to make sense of a God who works in the supernatural. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You ain't got to explain nothing. Just go ahead. But tonight I came to encouragement to all of y'all who's struggling, who are in the middle of a transition, and you don't know whether to cross, whether you're hesitating. Take me as a living testimony. Two years ago, I was in your same spot, worried and crying at night. God, how am I going to do this? But all I had to do was keep taking a step. And I had the more steps that I took. He was walking with me, and now I'm here in this place. I'm here thriving. Even before 29. 2019 get here, I'm thriving. People look at me, Dominique, something different about you. It's called transformation. And it happened at Transformation Christian Fellowship. You ain't got a lot. I ain't got to have a lot. But what I have is intangible. And the Bible says what we cannot see is eternal. So I got salvation. You can't touch salvation, but it's eternal. You can't touch anointing, but I got it. You can't touch covering, but I got it. I ain't got to be able to touch it to know that I got it. I got it. And because I stepped over and crossed over, some of y'all are too scared. Make your move. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Fake friends? Fake family friends? What do you have to lose? They didn't like you anyway. They told you, baby, you sound good. They didn't like your performance. They didn't think you could lead worship. They, they didn't really didn't like you. Stop living for approval. God is about to take us to the next level. And if you miss out, I'm sorry. I ain't missing out. <laughs> I ain't missing out. And when you promise me, I'm going to see it and I'm going to dwell therein. The land of Canaan, the land of promise, the land of overflowing with milk and honey. I'm going to live and dwell therein. And I invite you to join me. If you don't join me, that's fine. I'll send you a postcard from Canaan. Amen. <laughs> I'll send you a postcard. I'll send you a postcard. I'll send you a postcard. Amen. Yeah, yeah. For some of y'all, this, this word hurts. It's not going to feel good. But in your pain, do it. In your fear, do it. In your uneasiness, 
I'm a living, living testimony. I lingered for two months. I wrestled with God. I lingered. Nobody knew. And when they found out, they was like, what? They was like, wow, I'm sure people was talking about me. But they didn't know the nights that I cried. They didn't know that I was wrestling. They didn't know that me and God was beefing. They didn't know anything about that. People ain't got to understand your story. All they seen is the result of a work that God was doing in private. But when he elevates you in public, they'll know that it was him. They'll know that it was him who did it. Tell your neighbor, cross over, stand to your feet. Cross over, cross over, cross over, cross over, cross over, cross over. Come on, prophetic de demonstration. Everybody, cross. There we go. Cross over. No hesitation. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're not saved today, I offer you Jesus Christ. He's the best gift you could ever receive. Silver and gold, I surely don't have, but I can give you Jesus. Amen.